Is everyone recording? Hello and welcome to Bullet Points or Hello und Welcomen auf Auf Zalungzeichen if you're listening to Are we talking about Germany. Wolfenstein? I should, have saved, I should have saved that introduction for Wolfenstein. What I should have done for this one is do it in a kind of broad 19th century British Cockney accent because we're talking about Dishonored. Um, but yeah, I thought I'd throw a bit of German in there just to, just to get everyone's attention, you know what I mean? I mean, we should probably start preparing. <laughs> yeah, you you guys need to learn some European languages so you can you can move over here when the country is destroyed. Yeah, I mean, I was I was making a Nazi joke, but yours I think makes actually more sense. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you join us in the week of uh, Trump, uh, one of the four horsemen, all four horsemen of the apocalypse, in one man. Um, but we're not going to talk about that, are we, guys? No, we're gonna keep no, our, we we're gonna keep, we're no, gonna keep we're our, not. We're going to keep ourselves smiling and keep our audience smiling. Um, hey, Reed, isn't it great not living in America? <laughs> it doesn't matter, man. It's, if your neighbor <laughs> is a destructive maniac, you're still their neighbor. Well, I say we, I say we yeah, take our mind like, off the impending we're apocalypse. Over the, over the fence is what's going to happen. The, the, <laughs> totally the, the chain link the fence that separates Canada from America. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I was thinking Blue Picket. Or, you know, yeah. <laughs> Jeez. I yeah. say we take our minds off of the impending actual apocalypse by discussing a fictional apocalypse, and also we get to blow up some whales in the process, so I am super jazzed. I, yeah. I concur. Uh... For those of you who haven't guessed already, I'm Ed Smith. I'm joined by Reed McCarter, mm-hmm. Patrick Lindsay. God, our, our intros are just getting increasingly just like what the fuck ever. Yeah, it's just like uh, Ed, Reed, PL, <laughs> RM, Eh. <laughs> welcome to, <laughs> welcome to. <laughs> yeah. After a while, we're not even going to bother sort of mentioning what game we're playing. So I'm fucking let me go on then. So what do you think, Ed? Uh, what do you think, Reed? You know, thanks for joining. So and so, we're also joined by. I didn't ask uh, exactly what title you prefer, JV. What title do you prefer? Just Game Informer editors by Game Informer editor JV. Or, or yeah, ever suffering video game person. That's fine too. Or <laughs> game... just JV. Just JV's fine. Just JV. Just JV. Keep it light. <laughs> keep it cool. That's what we're doing here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're joined cool yeah. by Game Informer editor, ever suffering video game person, just JV, Gwaltney. Hey, man. How you doing? I am really impressed. You remembered all of that in that order that quickly. It just recited it. That was actually pretty impressive. That's why uh, I'm. That's why I'm the host. <laughs> that's that's right. Patrick and I yeah. could never do that. Nope. That's why they pay you the big bullet. Yeah. Three things. Uh, <laughs> no. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing good. I am ready to talk about dishonor. Yeah. Talk about Corvo. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Let's get into it. Woo. Come on, Reed. Are you jazzed? Woo! I yeah. If I was any more excited, I couldn't stand it. Perfect, brilliant, cool, yeah. So, uh, this week we're talking about Dishonored, the 2012, uh, not exactly open world, not exactly not open world game from Arcane Studios, published by Bethesda. Uh, you play Corvo Atano, a disgraced royal guard. Who Ahem. Is... 
Dishonored Royal Guard. Yeah. I, maybe they should have called the game Disgraced. Imagine that. <laughs> Disgraced. I guess, like, in a yeah. lot of fucking legal trouble, didn't really print well on the box. So. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, you play a Dishonored former royal guard who is accused of murdering the empress of the fictional world of Dunwall and you must join a underground resistance to prove your innocence and restore her daughter to her rightful place upon the throne um, it's a good game I think we're going to canvas general opinions Reed, good game? Uh, yeah, yeah, generally yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Patrick? Uh, I will say net positive. This is I had started playing this game a couple of years ago and really disliked it then, but I was pleasantly surprised playing it for this podcast how much I actually did enjoy it. So, yes, good game. Okay, so JV, as our guest, you get first dibs on a big, long general opinion. Um, what's your overview of Dishonored? I think it's one of those games that's... Uh, like like uh, Reed said, it's net positive. There are things that haven't aged well about it and don't necessarily work. Um, for example, the game's one of those you know sort of tactical sims in the mold of like Deus Ex or even uh, or System Shock, where it's like play how you want, play however you want. But you know there are definitely options that are more enjoyable to play than others. Uh, like just doing it crazy action style, it feels really rough to go back and play it like that. Like, movement is kind of difficult. Uh, getting in sword fights, it's just not as fun as, like, sneaking around and being murderous. Um, but, uh, yeah, on the whole, I think it, it works really well. The story, not so much. I think pretty much every single beat in the story is predictable. It was predictable in 2012. It's predictable. It's hella predictable now. Uh, but, uh, yeah, overall, I think it's great. I think it's a great game in the mold of, like, Thief system shock except in a fantasy setting like in a, in, a, in a well thief was in a fantasy setting too but in an even more fantasy setting with with special powers and whatnot Reed uh, this game was I think compared um, in some reviews when it was released to Deus Ex Human Revolution uh, which had came out a year before and obviously yeah thief is a, a heavy influence I'm not exactly uh, Harvey Smith who directed Dishonored he had worked on the thief series am I right about that or am I imagining that he worked on both Thief and System Shock perfect system shot. right thank you um, this is why you've got the staff writer job uh, Reed, um, <laughs> Reed to what extent would you compare Dishonored to a game like Human Revolution which you've also discussed on this show well I don't know I guess <clears throat> I guess you could in sort of a broad sense with like JV was saying with you know pick your choice and, and do what you will going guns blazing or sneak around or try to rewire things or kill people or don't kill people. Uh, but Dishonored to me seems less sort of rigid and logical. I mean it is in a sense because you know, we can probably get into this in a bigger way later but stealth games I think always sort of expose the, the framework underneath them. They kind of have to because you're manipulating AI patterns and guards and you're uh, playing around with the limits of when enemies notice you and, you know, kind of breaking the system set up for you. Or not breaking them, maybe just kind of manipulating them. Uh, but Deus Ex always feels sort of like a, like Lego bricks, kind of, the, the newer ones. Uh, 
where everything is kind of presented. Here's a vent, go in here. This is going to be your sneaky path. And, you know, here's a tranquilizer gun or a stun gun. And uh, Dishonored feels sort of... Uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to put it. It's You kind of have this overlap of the way you're going to handle situations, and it's it's not neat and clean. I think things go wrong in a much more interesting way very quickly, and they kind of blur... The game kind of blurs the line between... Uh, just kind of being completely stealthy and being sort of out there and violent in in a messier way that I think is interesting for what mm. the story is is. I actually I agree with you a lot, Reed. In fact, I think that good. So in <laughs> episode over um, <clears throat> in Deus Ex, there you, most people, if you're like me, play the game stealthily, and then if you're discovered then that sort of, it's almost kind of like a soft game over because everything sort of goes wrong in like a bad way. Um, I felt that that line was way fuzzier in Dishonored. Like if you get discovered or seen by a guard or a group of guards, it didn't really feel like your entire sort of effort up to that point had been compromised. It sort of just felt like this is another sort of challenge to deal with. And normally when I play stealth games, because I am like, super anal retentive if I can't get the you know the perfect ghost playthrough or whatever I'll reload a section and try again but I actually enjoyed kind of working my way out of the situations in this game um, so I think that structurally it is very similar to Deus Ex and that you know, there's a, a hub world and then you sort of travel back and forth between what are essentially closed levels but masquerading as open world sections um, I think that the whole you can do whatever you want to do thing is more or less intact. I, I think it's very obvious that they want you to, they want you to kill people in this game, um, which I fought against more or less successfully. But I think overall, I think this game fits its structure better than Deus Ex does. I enjoyed playing this game way more than Deus Ex. I actually uh, one of the things I like about this game is it's. Um kind of bloodthirstiness compared to some of these contemporaries that we're referring to. I think Deus Ex in particular really kind of implicitly chastises you for killing anybody, whereas Dishonored is um, a kind of sword, well not sword and shield game, but a swashbuckling game um, that doesn't kind of piss and moan if you if you stab someone rather than strangle them. Um, I mean, there is that kind of chaos or order meet or whatever it's called that fluctuates depending on how many people you've killed, but um, I didn't really find that coming into play very often. Um, as for the kind of soft and hard game overs, uh, I think Patrick, you are right. I think that if you're sneaking around certain areas and are detected, it, it feels more like a permutation on the level as opposed to um, the end of or you know a, a, an impossible to escape kind of fight that you may as well restart. Um, but there's also plenty of occasions as well where it is quite fussy and uh, fiddly and if you get seen it is pretty much curtains um, I do kind of have this problem I think with stealth games generally that they're very very stop and start it goes for Hitman from this year, it goes for Deus Ex from this year and 2011 um, and I think that they can be quite kind of cold because of that but uh, I think the first thing I'd like to talk about in 
depth is is the writing in, in Dishonored and the presentation because that for me is is what kind of helps shore up some of the more sort of dispassionate mechanics and the dispassionate way that the game plays is is the way that it was written. Mm-hmm. Um, I think JV, you you said that you thought the uh, the writing was quite predictable. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think the plot right the plot's quite predictable. I think. I think actually Dishonored has one of the more enjoyable enemy barks uh, throughout because all the lines are pretty memorable. Um, you know, not necessarily because they're great, but just because they sort of toe the line between, okay, that's, these are schlocky kind of silly things. Like, you're going you're gonna to regret it when I find you. Like, for some reason that stands out in my mind just because it's so stupid. Yeah. But, uh, th- but then there are other ones that are just... Uh, but it's also something like you know, a person would say. Like, a normal person who's, like, walking around as a guard or security guard, and they might be afraid of whatever's out there. So there's something to be said about that. Uh, also, there's also the classic, you know, are we going out for whiskey and cigars tonight? And someone goes, indeed. <laughs> and it's just like, and they say it exactly like that, too. Indeed. Um, some of the conversations and, and the problem <coughs> with Dishonored for me is like the voice acting is so good in this game because uh, they've got great they've got they've got great voice actors that are sort of just given to questionable roles like uh, Carrie Fisher's in here is like a PA announcer that's so weird you hear well, her voice for like I didn't know that yeah, yeah. Her, she's in the game like if you do a low chaos playthrough you will come across an area where Carrie Fisher talks uh, as PA is over like a PA system. And that's all she's in the game for. That's it. Uh, Susan Sarandon yeah. plays, uh, what is it, Granny Rags? The Rack? most random casting choice ever. Yeah, right? But, like, she nails it. She makes it creepy. Uh, and so it's one of those things where I don't know if the writing, to me, is actually good, like the dialogue writing, but maybe it's the acting that sells it. But it sells it. But either way, it works. This is a really uh, super but, small point, but um, they, so the... One of the premises of the game is there's a rat plague, a plague that it is. It's unclear if the plague is the rats or if it's just carried by the rats. But right as a result, rats are everywhere. So when you do that thing where a guard kind of sees you and then you hide and then they sort of unsee you, they at least have an ostensible reason. You'll hear them say, "Oh, I guess it was those damn rats again," which yeah. I at least appreciate because oh god, I sure do hate it when you're breaking into an enemy stronghold. And, you know, elite guards like, well, I guess I was imagining things. Yeah, like these hardcore trained mercenaries in, like, Far Cry 4 or something. They're just like, meh, that explosion, it was nothing. That could it be anything. It was a barrel anything. that just fell over. Yeah, but, um, no, my big issues with Dishonored's writing is the plot. It's like, you know, halfway through, no, three-fourths of the way through, you're betrayed. And that betrayal, like, it is coming. It's so obvious it's coming. Like, just... If you've opened up, like, a textbook, like a history textbook, and merely skimmed over it about, like, the French Revolution or anything, like, it's obvious these dudes are going to screw you over. See, I uh, I would say I, I don't actually mind that. I don't, I don't think the story is meant to shock you. I think it really is just meant to be an historical retelling of a very common historical event, which is a, a deposition and a subsequent restoration of the throne, which because I'm a giant European history nerd I actually really enjoy. No, I don't think it's, like, 
I, I think I understand uh, where you're coming from with that, but for me, like even with that knowledge, mm-hmm. it's still it isn't necessarily interesting. Like what that plot allows you to do, yeah. Uh, the interactivity it offers you, as far as like high chaos, low chaos, forgiveness, uh, you know, trying to do what's right for Emily so she's not a political pawn, or you know, grows up into an evil empress. Like those things are interesting, but the plot itself, like it's just. All right, cool. Like I knew this guy was gonna betray me. I wish I wish that it was just hidden a little better. Is is my yeah. main issue. I mean, what I'd say about it too is that I I like the kind of broad strokes of it, but that they're a bit too broad. I mean, I think there's things in this game that I really enjoy are kind of how it tries to be a game about revolution, you know, and about sort of doing what's right in a hazy context where it's not going to be quite right. So when they get to, you know, these loyalists turning on on the person who helped make everything happen, I, I think that's fine, but it's just they don't do the work it takes to get there. They just kind of do it. You know, like, you can you can see it coming, but it's not... I don't think it's clever, and I don't think you have enough of... I don't know. Like it doesn't feel justified. Sense. Yeah, it's and it just, just Oh, sorry. It's like the wires are showing, right? Like it's mm-hmm. just someone didn't cover it up well enough. So you see the wires running beneath it, you see the architecture. It's like, "Oh, there's supposed to be a floor here." Like I know there's supposed to be a floor here, but all I see is like the shit under the floor, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it just like I know I know where this is going and it's unfortunate that there's not polish there because there's so much polish everywhere else in the game but like that bit stands out to me see I disagree with the majority of this just because of one place in the game which is the the Hound Pits pub which is the um, the kind of the area to which you return after each mission to chat amongst some of the supporting characters and you know gather your equipment back up it's kind of the like resting area between hub worlds um, which I, I I never been able to quite put my finger on it but something about the Hound Pits pub as a as a set has always felt very surreptitiously and, and subtly kind of eerie and um, off and, and wrong um, I think it's there's a, there's a mission within what well, missions are too grandiose a term, but there's a, a a task within the Hound Pits pub where you're asked to go um, sort of down into the sewer area or um, yep. to where the barrels are kept or something like that uh, because they've been hearing moaning coming up from underneath the floor and there's these two people down there who have been what what happens to them exactly do you get like turned into zombies they they they've been infected by the plague and they're basically zombies they're called weepers that's right yeah they they never ba- really do explain what the plague does do they oh i they... mean it turns you into a, a zombie basically okay. like that is what happens yeah so they like, they're, they're infected yeah. with something and they're they're yeah sort of moaning and shambling and, and dying and you go down there and you have to kill them and I don't know what it is. Again, it's it's hard to define. I think it's because it's set during the day. You're doing this during the daylight uh, rather than at night, so it's not big spooky. It's just sort of subtly creepy, this idea of things moaning from underneath the pub um, where everyone's kind of sat having a drink with this, these, these people like dying underneath the floorboards. It's it's strange to me. It's, it's, it's really kind of unnerving. And that, that was the moment where the Hound Pits pub as a setting started to feel... Um, sort of discomforting in, in a way that you know these between mission worlds never ever do 
Um, well, yeah. and that would, one of the sorry, go ahead. Ed. I was gonna say, well, that to me was was the beginning of this kind of slow ramp up to, um, you know, there's something wrong with these revolutionaries. You know, they they are yeah. they all come from within the gentry themselves, like the uh, Pendleton, for example. Um, they're all kind of of the system, and I, I don't know. I think that it the, the game does a very good job of, of right from when you meet them, um, reminding you that these people are, are part of the establishment. And I think yeah, sorry. One of the things that it does really well in a really subtle way is Dunwall is a terrible place. Um, even even amongst the elite, it's a terrible place because not only do you have this plague, but like everything is filthy. You've got bootleggers and, and gang members in the streets. You've got this weird sort of magic that is then being suppressed by the, the sort of state religion. Everything runs on whale oil, which just, I don't know, something about that to me seems really strange and gritty and just unclean. Um, so, Ed, I think you are exactly right. I think that there is a weird sort of off-puttingness to even the, quote, innocuous parts of the game, and my interpretation is of that is just this is a this is an ugly world that the game is set in. Well, see, that's why I've always liked Dunwall. Is I've, Dunwall is one of my favorite settings in a game ever, just because it's such a beautiful place. That's also, um, you know, it's it's for me what like people were saying when Bioshock Infinite came out. Columbia was for them. It's like, oh, look at this great place. Also, look how. Look how shitty and gritty and awful it is beneath the surface. And like, Columbia didn't really work for me for that. Is that uh, a lot of Bioshock Infinite doesn't work for me? But Dunwall, you know, because it had, and I think a lot of that has to do with the painterly aesthetic. Like, you know, uh, a lot of it does look like a painting. Uh, the facial animations, like these great sort of cityscapes. Uh, and not, you know, obviously we, we're talking about this and Dishonored 2 is out and I don't want to like spoil anything in that game, but early on you get to see Dunwall not infected with the plague and it's just like in a completely different place. It's like, it's completely beautiful, it's astonishing. But, uh, you know, I think <laughs> one of Dishonored's biggest strengths is that setting and how they use it uh, to make, you know, sort of these generic plots like political overthrow and how conspirators will turn on each other uh, when they're going for power. Like, I think Dunwall helps sell that story when other elements don't. Uh, and definitely the Hound Pits. Like, that's just such a great little hub world. That's got to be one of the best hub worlds. Um, well, yeah, I think it... Oh, sorry. No, I was, I was going to say, Reed, what do you think? Well, I was going to say that, yeah, I think um, for me, a lot of what works in Dishonored is the setting itself, you know, just the, the world itself, and I don't mean that in a, in the notes you pick up and, and all that kind of stuff, it's just the the architecture and the, the color palette and, uh, you know, just the look of everything. Um, yeah, yeah it, oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Yeah, I was just going to say, it feels like, because there are precious few games that are set in a fantasy setting that actually feel like Oh man, this is this this place I read about in a fantasy novel once come to life. But like, uh, I don't know if you guys have read Mistborn, but like, it feels like that setting ripped from like a quality fantasy novel. Like, okay, this is a legit place, not like a schlocky video game fantasy place we're all kind of used to, especially from earlier fantasy games. Uh, the majority of them, but like, this is like 
this is a place that is established. Like there is a feeling here. Like you can, it feels lived in, even though these streets are deserted. Like you can, and not even without with without the notes and stuff picking up the little lore pickups. Like it is a place where you can feel like people have lived and inhabited. This is a real. So not living world. I don't like using that term. I don't like hearing that term. It's such a bullshit thing to say. But it's, <laughs> you know, it's more complete than other fantasy worlds and video games are. Uh, the majority of them, I would argue. They design settings yeah. and not just levels. Yeah. Yeah. And I would I would say, too, that the way that they reference the real world, um, when they're referencing, like what Patrick was saying, too, about how so much of this game is, it kind of feels like a smushed-together version of you know, centuries of European history of revolutions yeah, and coups. Um, and the way that they kind of reference, I think it's, to me, it looks a lot like Edinburgh. Um, but I think they've talked about how it's inspired by London as well, um, the city. But they do, I think, a very good job of evoking the idea of this place is sort of beautiful in a, in a raw sense. You know, it has nice, nice buildings, like impressive buildings. Uh, you know, beautiful streets and everything, but there's just this kind of muck underneath it all, and there's the sense that there have been, you know, centuries of of history that have happened here that a lot of it may be deeply unpleasant. I'm um, I'm not myself kind of sold on um, the world feeling inhabited and feeling uh, lived in. You know, I, or this this idea that it's a setting rather than a level, because I find a lot of the um, Level layouts in Dishonored to feel, and this isn't this isn't an ins, uh, you know this isn't a, a, a criticism because this is this is just typical this is pragmatic but they feel like video game levels, you know windows are left open in convenient places, guards walk in, predictable mm. patterns, um, streets are empty when they need to be empty they're populated when they need to be populated there are missions to to collect you know there are things that you can find they they feel very very. Uh, deliberately laid out, very sort of paced for your pleasure. Um, so I'm not. I, I thought. Sorry. Oh, sorry. No, go on. No, I was just gonna say though. I think in terms of like kind of what I was saying before about you know versus Deus Ex or something, uh, where you see where you see the design a bit more clearly, um, the the mechanical design. You know how you're gonna interact with this. I think Dishonored actually does more than a lot of these games and especially stealth games feel uh, a bit more organic you know I, I don't I know what you mean about like the open windows and uh, and things like that but just because of the way that you can kind of teleport up places and it, it's a bit messier like a, That's like true. a real built up city would be yep. um, yeah I feel like I, I do not disagree with what you're saying here Ed like um, it is very video gamey, like the layout of every single level, including collectibles, like the rune stuff. Like, okay, there are the runes over there. I gotta go find them and mm-hmm. collect them. But at the same time, though, I feel like so much of that, so much of uh, what passes like a player's threshold of like, okay, this is cool. I'm, and I know we we hate this word, but I'm immersed, <laughs> or you know, I am I am part of this world, playing through it. Is tied into the lore and the explanation of, you know, why this place is the way it is, and I feel like Patrick was really onto something earlier when he was talking about the plague being a context for all of this. Like, I don't really mind that there are windows open on, like, other floors, especially when I walk in there and there's, like, a dead body, dead from the plague, or, like, a couple who's committed suicide because of the plague, or 
this or that because there's just like that is such a compelling uh you know lore point i guess it's like okay this is why things are the way they are um which doesn't necessarily like dismiss your point it just makes it you know for me it's like okay yeah i'm i'm in on this like let's go with this let's run with it if you want to get video gamey I no, I would I would argue, okay. JB, that Dishonored's biggest problem or not problem, but issue that it has to overcome is it's constantly wrestling with its own video gameness, um, and it doesn't always win because. Oh, well, I mean, what game does? Well, exactly, but Ed is absolutely right. There are a lot of things where, you, like, you're playing through, and like, well, this is clearly designed to be the obvious stealth path. This is clearly designed to be the obvious. You know, non-lethal solution, rada rada rada. Um, but I, th- I think at least for me, Dishonored gets by because it's just really fucking fun to do these things. Um, and I think that's the mistake that a game like Deus Ex makes is Deus Ex is also very video gamey, but it is it, it's actual action. Yeah, it's the actions that it has you do are not enjoyable. It's not enjoyable to sneak around. It's not enjoyable to kill people. Uh, in Deus Ex, whereas <laughs> I like that pause between the. <laughs> oh, I mean, I know that we're already on a couple watch lists, so I gotta do my part. <laughs> I don't, you know, the the video gaminess of Dishonored is it's not a criticism to me. You know, it's um, it's clarity. You know, I don't I don't resent people who make games um, delineating these these clear paths and delineating these clear places where you can go and find collectibles, or as JV mentioned, go and find these small kind of vignettes of um, of law, even though I, I detest law in games, I think it's the antithesis of good writing. Um, I th- yeah, it's not great. I'm not a fan of it either. I'm sorry. Th- Audio logs. Yeah, exactly. Woo! Um, but I think... I just think that Dishonored, as you were saying, Reed, it's got this kind of messier sense of exploration. As you were saying, Patrick, it's, it's fun... To, to do things that you, you also do in Deus Ex, which are not enjoyable. Um, I think it's got all of that going on for it that I sometimes find myself thinking, I don't need these open areas. It's, it's the missions, mm-hmm. the, the, the sections within uh, corridors and sort of, uh, again, it's a game review is cliche, linear areas. Um, that I find or found the the most enjoyable, the kind of the the climax of Dishonored, where you you have to you know ascend this uh, huge kind of mountain fort, uh, and you've got this very mm-hmm. sort of clear sense of A to B. I like doing that much more than I you know do exploring the hubs, which is and this is also true of Human Revolution or, or Mankind Divided, although less so because that's a, a worse game. Um, but Human Revolution, the kind of bits inside buildings were a lot stronger than any of the kind of stuff outdoors. And I, I'm curious as to what it is that uh, openness, or like these open world hubs, gives to Dishonored, aside from maybe characterizing Dunwall, which I think is done perfectly well when you're indoors, or perfectly well in like a one-to-one dialogue interaction with the character. Why have these open world hubs? Because to me, they, they throw off the See, momentum so violently. Uh- Again, I think this is a case of Dishonored struggling with its own video gameness. If you're making a game that is structurally modeled on games like Thief and Deus Ex, which I don't think it's a stretch to say that Dishonored is, um, there are things that those games do that are seen in any way, I would guess, as fairly um, standard to the genre, such as having open worlds to explore. And you can't really have a 
quote, play your way game if you don't give them choice, right? I mean, obviously we all know that that is not true, but I agree with you. My two favorite levels in this game are the bridge level, where you have to go and kidnap the physician by traversing a bridge, um, and the level where you are at a house party, mm-hmm. um, both of which are very enclosed and very linear, and I think I like them because it's just down to brass tacks. You don't have to worry about, okay, well, what building am I going to climb up, and where which guard am I going to jump on, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I, I would agree with you 100%, Ed. Mm. Well, this is this is one of the things where why I don't why I'm not super enthusiastic about Dishonored um, is actually because I'd probably disagree. Like I really, uh, from a basic point, I like what I would say. I I mean I I probably think it's it's less cleanly laid out when you're in the kind of the hub world or whatever. Um, I probably find it a little messier than maybe you guys did, um, but I think I much prefer the the spots where you're inside and you kind of know the parameters. You know that you have you know one or two objectives and they're all going to be found in this one spot. Um, but I think if you didn't have those sections where you're just kind of going through those streets, um, it's hard to I'm trying to think of how you describe that. It's a place where you go up this little beach. And you um, walk up, and that stuff to me gives a lot of the character. I think you need that kind of the the messiness of that to contrast the order of being inside these structures that are laid out, you know, hallways and vents and sewer grates and and so forth. I, I was gonna say, I think my only issue, I think my only huge, like overwhelming issue with Dishonored that makes me go from like, okay, this is a really great game to like, this is like, you know, a rough draft for a masterpiece that's not there, you know, is, do you guys remember the opening area that's there for like two levels where you're in this Dunwall area where you do the first mission with the overseer Mm -hmm. that you have to Mm -hmm. brand or kill, and then you do the other one, and it's like a mini open world. Right, where you have a bunch of side quests that you can do for Granny Rags, or you can mm-hmm. do for uh, what's his face, Slackjaw, the, the whiskey. Yeah, Slackjaw that you can do for Slackjaw. Isn't that a great name, Slackjaw? <laughs> uh, but like after that, the game goes from being a, a, a decently sized open world to being a narrow tunnel, and there's no justification for that. It is the strangest thing, and if you don't like <laughs> do all the side quests in that area like there's no other place where you can just get tons and tons of ruins or ruins to like power up your skills and everything it is a very strange turn it's always you know and i've played the game like 10 times it's one of my favorite games i i mean i would not call it a masterpiece uh but it's one of my favorite games it's just one of those games one of my comfort games that i play through a lot uh, um along with like the last of us and stuff but it's it's always struck me as strange just that you go from this huge open area to what is basically a funnel for the rest of the game. It's just a tunnel. Like, that's it. Uh, and it's just a strange design, and I've never been able to make heads or tails of it. And I've always been interested internally, like, why did this happen? Um, yeah. yeah. That's that's the area, actually, I was, I was thinking of in terms of I don't like 
being in it, but I think it's very important to how the game is set up. Well, but you're right that it is, like what JV was saying, that it is kind of unbalanced. What I would prefer personally um, is to have areas of that of that size. I mean, I, I think that this first area to which JV is referring, that is where the game has the highest chance of losing me, which is a shame because it's, it's right at the beginning. But I remember playing it when it first came out and really not liking it um, for the first maybe hour and a half uh, because of this this first kind of open open section. Um, and then kind of finding my footing with it and enjoying it quite a lot. Um, but I would argue for for games to have the areas of that size and of that um, kind of areas that imply roaming, but just not to fill them with crap. You know, mm-hmm. like not to fill them with... Like, who gives a shit about side missions? Who gives a shit about collectibles and, and things like this? I find that like just, just anti momentum, anti-narrative, anti-action, anti-excitement, you know, it's just kind of eating the world as you go, it's it's just like junk food for you to enjoy while you're in this area, and I, I would prefer, personally, um, and I'm trying to think of games that, that actually have these kind of areas, things that are of that size, not that scope, but not filled with video game hives to scratch, you know, um, they're just there for you to imbibe, they're just there for your eyes to like, and, and for you to, to sort of take in like a, a an installation piece, you know. Well, um, I think those, the, like, the From... Go I was, Sorry. I was going to say, like, the, the From Software games, uh, like the Souls and Bloodborne, have yeah. done a decent job of that. I think Wolfenstein did a good job of that, too. I think What I immediately yeah, think boy. of is uh, Off-Peak. Off-Peak, but, off, I mean, Off-Peak is entirely that kind of area. Yeah. You know, I, I want, I'm talking about something that... Off-Peak is a, is a really great example of, you know, doing a doing a doing an area around which you can walk as long as you want. Um, and it's not replete with garbage and, and, and virtual junk. Um, uh, I think from software's games, yeah, but they're, they're so kind of relentlessly, uh, like totally the same, you know, misery, misery, misery. Um, yeah. Wolfenstein, that kind of, that area that you go Wolf- back to, the, the son of Krakow uh, circles HQ, um, they still sort of they still kind of again I don't know this word they still kind of gamify that a little bit you know you still these tasks are like go this room and talk to this person now go oh yeah to this they room. totally do that like you're doing fetch quests you're doing, like that is literally what those levels yeah. are is fetch quests and it's annoying like I love that game it's one of my favorite games but yeah they gamify that level and they don't necessarily let it get uh, as much room as you want it mm. to like they don't give it enough storytelling room it's just obsessed with go find this folder so, uh-huh. so yeah I totally get I'm it I'm trying to think of like open world or, or hub world areas that contain basically zero side quests or you know like a, like a lower lower, low low amount or you know a low low amount of, of collectibles I'm looking on the shelf that, uh, the, the games that I own and it's a it's a rare thing, but like, I I would love to see space in video games given over to like characterization and, and the setting up of narrative as opposed to uh, characterization and the setting up of narrative and side missions. You know, I, I I don't need those there personally. I find those such a uh, such a throwback and a, a, almost like a condescension. Well, the, well, Ed, how do you feel about the Normandy in Mass well, Effect? Well, I, like I, I, I can't comment because Shot Caller, I've actually not played any of the Mass Effect games. I never got around to those. Well, well, you might like that then because, like, that is entirely, like, it's a hub world. Like, obviously, it's a ship, all right? So it's not, like, explore this small town or whatever, whatever but it's, like, 
You're walking around your ship. You're talking to crew members. Sometimes you have activities with them. You can fucking drink with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not necessarily that there are missions attached to that. Those are just things you can go do. Right. And that's why that's the reason that Mass Effect 2 is one of my favorite games is because like it takes that sort of approach that you're talking about, the hub worlds, where it's just explore and talk to people uh, you know, on your own time and get more of this world you know, uh, on your own terms. And, not, and it's not necessarily attached to like go do bullshit fetch quest or whatever right. like it's you know it feels natural yeah that that sounds pretty much um like what i'm pining for is too much of a exaggeration but what I, what i would prefer uh dishonored to have done um patrick what do you reckon um i was really having a hard time thinking of an example and i think that jv i think your your calling up of enormity is absolutely on yeah. point um I think that that is exactly what that is. I think that the fact that these these examples are so rare is an indication of where video games are formally, like from a design standpoint. It's still very much the it's still very much the medium for people who say I want to touch that. Um, mm. It's not enough to to be treated to a setting or a world or a character. You need to be able, not even even just to interact with it, but in most cases, to be a significant influence on a thing. Um, well, it's, yeah, it's like the Assassin's Creed thing of filling in the map, right? What's the right. point of having the map if, if uh, I, I mean, I, this is me saying this from another voice. I don't agree with this, but what's the point of having the map if you can't uh, checkbox? Uh, sure. Know, go go to each area and then feel like you've done the and, area. And it's a shame because I think if you're a developer, it just it betrays an incredible lack of confidence in your game because you're essentially admitting that I don't think the world I've created or the characters I've created are compelling enough to stand on their own. There needs to be some sort of uh, gold star that players can get for for doing a thing to this. Um, Which, when you think about it in relationships with other media, is kind of absurd. Like, nobody picks up a book and says, all right, well, what are you going to give me if I get to page 150? Like, um, I do. Well, I know you you do, but... And I, I know that this is... The, the cynic in me coming out, and I and I, I do think that games like Mass Effect exist to demonstrate that this doesn't have to be the case, and we definitely have have shown that we're capable of doing other things. But I think that that is, if not the motivation, at least a a prominent motivation for doing that. I was just going to throw in another example. We can we can move on to another topic, but I thought one that is also uh, true of what we're talking about is um, McFarlane's Ranch in Red Dead Redemption. Um, mm-hmm. Which is not. Oh, it's yeah. not like a, It's not like an open world that you you sort of have to have to move through in order to get somewhere else. In the sense that, like the the beginning of Dishonored is, where you you kind of arrive at this point and you have to walk through it, and then you get to your mission. You know, it's always there, and you can you can go and come back. Um, but the things that you do in McFarland's Ranch, you know, playing poker, playing um, the horseshoe game, visiting the shop, uh, even the missions that you're given there are, are quite sort of. Um, sedentary, you know, ranching and, and uh, racing around on the horse and stuff, and yeah, that I think is an area, uh, and and Armadillo as well, which is you know the the, the closest town to McFarland's Ranch in that game. Um, those are areas that are I, I think are, are dedicated more, are given more to ingratiating a sense of who you are and where you are, as opposed to uh, giving you things to to eat, as it were. Well, that that kind of yeah, I mean, you could almost say the same thing about the, like, in Assassin's Creed 3 when they had that homestead, but 
I don't know. I feel the same way about the kind of places like Armadillo and in Red Dead as I would about something like that, where it still betrays it because there are a lot of checkboxes. Yeah. So, yeah, there are. I don't know. It's. I think it's a basic approach to uh, feeling like things have to be stuff full of stuff to do. Mm. Not. Not. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of the Assassin's Creed games, like a, a lot of what I want from them, is just going to these these historical takes on cities and just kind of wandering around, mm. running around the rooftops and just looking at things. Um, but uh, I don't know. It's the pro. Is it the product mentality of if yeah. you're going to make this, you have to justify why you made it? Yes, I think 100. percent I I don't think there's anybody. It. I don't think there's anybody who, or at least there are not enough people to, to say that it's anything but the product mentality who sit down and make a game and say what I'm really excited about is sprinkling 1,000 collectibles throughout this map. <laughs> um, you know, I don't think that turns anybody on. And I, I don't even think that if you kind of jumped over somebody's shoulder and turned off the console and sort of said, you know, why were you doing that? They'd be able to sort of say, well, it's because it, it was enjoyable. You, you do it because you're, just, you're playing this game. And again, it's like eating mm-hmm. a bag of crisps that are covered in MSG. You just... It's, it, it's just what you do. It's just like a, it's a reptilian kind of compulsion, and I think that it is quite. It really, ugly. it really is, because like, I don't know. Since we're talking about Mass Effect all of a sudden, and that's my fault. Sorry, <laughs> kind of. Uh, but you know, it's disheartening to think about Dragon Age Inquisition because this is a game I poured like ninety hours across two playthroughs. And I hate a lot of that game. Like, I would even go so far as to say I, I dislike the majority of, the, of that game because it is exactly sort of this, mm-hmm. you know, collect bullshit mentality. Like, there's literally one of the things you can do is collect shards. Like, that's like, and there's no point to collecting them, it's just collect shards. And then another thing you can do is, like, align stars by looking at them through a telescope. It is just the most bullshit side quest driven RPG I've ever played um, and coming off Mass Effect which did a really good job of presenting hub worlds where you just talk to people and you get to know them uh, it's just there is something there it is the, it's, it's disheartening to think about how many games are going the way of ticking boxes um, and I think you know I think Dishonored does a good job of not ticking those boxes necessarily like obviously not all the time because there are you know side missions and whatnot, but I feel like uh, there are compelling reasons to do those side missions besides hey this gives me more gamey things. Like I do think the standoff between Granny Rags and Slackjaw is worth seeing through to the end. Like playing through those three or four side missions in the early chapters just to see how it plays out. Like I am glad that Arcane like just gave us that little story to enjoy. You know, beyond the here's some runes to make you know your powers more powerful. Mm-hmm. Well, stuff like that I don't mind. I think, I think things like that uh, that have some actual narrative meaning are enjoyable if you you know make them optional, but uh, it can still be enjoyable. I think The Witcher Three does that really well. Um, oh God, yeah. But I just kind of yeah, I just kind of wish Dishonored it wasn't. It didn't have money. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> because that's the thing that gets me is is the sense that I can't just kind of take <clears throat> in this space and and explore, you know, a block, and then go back and and keep moving on with the actual main plotline. 
it just feels like you have to comb all of these places. You, uh, in order to succeed at the game, you have to not take in this environment as a, a three-dimensional environment made for you to explore, but you have to be looking, like sort of, like surgically, like looking for the different things you need mm. in this space. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- that's always what bugs me about you know, collectible stuff. I think the Bioshock games are ruined by that kind of stuff a lot of the time, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, like what JV was saying, I think Dishonored is better than most at it. I, I, it doesn't doesn't drive me crazy to to uh, to go into those areas. Um, we're coming up to sixty minutes, so I want to I want to kind of pose a what might be a final question. Um, we should talk about the the combat in Dishonored and and the way that it, it sort of physically feels to play. And I'm interested to hear from from everyone. Um, we've talked about you know the game aesthetically feeling quite grubby and quite quite lilted towards uh, I think misery and, and, and sadness it's quite a, quite a sort of mournful tone I think throughout um, you know you've got these grey dying buildings rats everywhere everything's powered as, as Patrick pointed out by, by whale oil which is this, this kind of viscous icky substance which you can imagine sort of smells very badly and um, yeah the, the whole city sort of stinks um and I'm interested uh, to what extent, JV, you think that aesthetically um, this stuff feeds into the way that the game plays. Is it, you know, is the violence kind of as unpleasant as your surroundings? Does it does it play in a sort of disgusting sort of way, same as the city? I think it's. Uh, I think either way, I like it because it's compelling enough. It's a compelling enough setting and compelling enough uh, lore, all that disgustingness to give, you know, leeway to a player who wants to play it either way. Like, I wrote a, I wrote an article a couple, was it a couple of years ago? Jesus, I can't remember. For Paste, about how Dishonored was actually the best Batman game because yeah, so much that. of it, yeah, so much of it depends on how you choose to use your powers, like. You are given so much power and dishonor that, you know, if you collect ruins and whatnot, you can just slash your way through the game, kill everyone, do whatever you want. Um, but if you do that, you're feeding into the city's sickness. Um, and I feel like non-lethally, even though the game's non-lethal options are less interesting than the lethal ones, like you, it's like one third of the powers, and they're not as they're not interesting or fun to necessarily play. There's something that's interesting there in itself that, you know, um, it's it's about choosing what your reward is going to be. Is it the visceral, immediate present where you're chopping dudes to bits with, uh, and who aren't necessarily like awful, awful men, right? Like the city guard, what's interesting about them is they are not necessarily like henchmen for dictators. Like, they might be guys just doing their nine to five, trying to get home so they can go be with their family or like drink some whiskey or whatever. Uh, and there's just stuff that really works there with the violence. So I feel like the city's disgusting uh, environment and its disgusting story is effective because it gives leeway to the player. Like they can either play to make the world even more disgusting, like they fall victim to it, or they can try and work to make it a better place by 
refusing the game's dictation that the boldest measures are the safest. Like saying, no, that's not how I'm going to play it. I'm going to, you know, risk personal injury to myself by playing non-lethally, by trying to keep everyone alive. And I think that's just a fascinating decision that's uh, upheld by how disgusting the setting is. Well, yeah, this is the... This stuff, and I don't know if um, if this is influenced at all by having read that article, JV, from... I can't remember the fine points of it, but I know parts of it, the kind of dishonored Batman argument uh, stuck in my head. But I think the, the big thing, my favorite thing about this game is the idea that it takes... It says, here's this revolution that's ongoing about, you know, installing a new empress or emperor. Um, and you are sort of posited as Corvo as being above everyone uh, physically, you know. Um, and and the game, I think it undercuts this with the chaos system where it kind of gives you a, a good or bad reward, but it almost makes it feel like you are being given this tremendous amount of responsibility. And like JV was saying, it's how do you think this revolution should be carried out? You know, if you are, everything that you're doing is going to be reflected back when this new government is, is put in place. And so if you're going around murdering everyone, you are acting in sort of a, a base, uh, just kind of revenge-guided mentality where it's just fuck everything, just do whatever you want. Uh, so I've never been able to do the way where you just kill everyone in this game because it feels wrong somehow. It's, it's almost too easy. Uh, it feels like the game is just saying, like, just, you know, if you're doing that, you're kind of giving in to something, even though it never explicitly um, kind of tries to say that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like I just talked around See, my own point. This is this is what I find so confusing about this game because I agree with you both. I think thematically, the game really does encourage you to kind of take a softer hand, which is why for the first three quarters of the game, I tried to not kill anybody, and then as soon as I f- figured out that I had been betrayed, I was like, alright, well, fuck these people, I'm going all out, because they clearly don't care about me, so why should I care about them? However, mechanically, it's that whole identity crisis thing again. It's... I won't say it's boring to play non-lethally, but it is tedious in a way that the rest of the game does not line up with. Mm-hmm. Um, I was... I went online, I watched a couple of videos of just like what I'll call high-level Dishonored players just kind of clearing out areas, and it's... I don't know if you've seen the way that people can chain kills together and like bounce powers off of each other. It's incredible the things that you can do in this game, and it looks just really great both to look at and just like really fun to do, and contrast that with like hugging someone really hard from behind over over and over and over and over and over and over again, and it's... It's like, well, why why would I bother doing this when I can clear the level in half the time and look like a badass doing it? So, I again, I couldn't I couldn't play the game lethally because that's just not how I, I play games like this in general. Um, but oh, and and I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. No, that, I was just gonna say it, it. It seems like it really wants you to just murder people. I think it tries to tempt you. Like it is a game of temptations. Um, but I will say Dishonored 2, if anyone is listening is trying to figure out if they're going to play that, like, they fixed a lot of that crap. Like, you can, uh, if you get in a scuffle, 
or a sword fight or whatever, you can still knock your opponent out. Like, you can just knock them out mid-fight. So they fixed a lot of that and made it a lot more interesting, yeah. if anyone is worried about that in the sequel. It's one of the smarter things they did. You see, I think that this is, this is interesting because if the game encourages you to, to be non-lethal and chastises you for being violent, then it becomes kind of sanctimonious. And... The morality. I don't think it does explicitly, though. Well, this is this is what I'm saying. But this this is why it's interesting, right? I I, I uh -huh. think the, the the morality implied in Dishonored, you know, the characters are all duplicitous. The city kind of looks as if it could be great if it wasn't for X Y Z, um, and you know, you've got all these choices that you can make between kill, don't kill, save, don't save, etc. And if it was completely non-lethal, I think it would be sanctimonious. I think it would be moralizing and, and judging you for behaving in a way that seems logical in the world to which you are presented uh, whereas if it was entirely lethal it would be um, not sanctimonious but just sort of too too cynical too too grubby too down the line you know I, I think that it's actually interesting that Patrick you know I agree with you it, it's boring to play non-lethally it's more fun to kill but it's more rewarding to play non-lethally than it is to kill. So you do have this mm -hmm. kind of, you do have this sort of implicit push-pull, um, and I, I kind of admire the game for for rolling with that and and letting you be bored by playing it non-lethally. A, a big part of that, Ed, and I think a major thing that keeps it from dipping into kind of hand-wringing sanctimonious territory is it does subtly punish you for thinking that you're taking the high road by being non-lethal. Well, there's, there's, yeah. that, there's that wonderful narrative beat where you save the two Pendleton brothers mm -hmm. from death, and then uh, I think it's the, the Slackjaw character again says, "Oh, yeah, you didn't kill them, right? Well, we're gonna we'll, we'll kidnap them and cut out their tongues." And, and put that them. happens. That happens every time, actually, because if you choose to not kill the High Overseer and instead brand him with this brand, he's essentially turned into a social pariah and run out of the city. Mm -hmm. um, there's the two Pendleton twins who get. Um, their tongues cut out and sent to work in the mines. Um, my, the, the one that really got me was the, the party level. Um, you're sent to kill the mistress of the... Not High Overseer. No, I guess it's the High Overseer, the Lord Regent. And the, quote, non-lethal resolution there is you run into a, a noble who knows who you are and says, you don't have to kill her. Bring her to me, and I will take care of her for you. And the implication there is that he essentially just kidnaps her and takes her away to some remote island for the the rest of her life. So, like these things are arguably just as bad as, if not worse than, straight up murdering them. Yeah, the game doesn't ever tell you that. It's not like you get you know minus five good guy points because you you know sold a woman mm. into slavery, but like you kind of just have to live with that. Mm -hmm. And I I. I, I Oh, sorry, Ed. I was going to make one last, like, small point on that. Is the is it Havelock who you, who you, who's like the main traitor against you in the end? Admiral Havelock, the John Slattery yes. character. Yeah, because I remember that the, the confrontation with him at the end. He's just stood there around the table, and I just walked up and cut his throat. You know, we had this kind of brief conversation. He's sort of like, you know, do it if you want to, and just across the throat and, and killed him. And there wasn't like a spectacular brawl or duel or whatever. It was, you know, this quite sort of downbeat just murder. Um, yeah, I, I I like the way that it, it, it frames like both violence and kind of uh, your attempts to not be violent are both kind of met with uh, with mixed results. Sorry, Reed. 
No, I was just gonna say it's it's um, and I think we should talk about that about that chaos system a bit more in this framework too. But because uh, I do like what JV was saying about are you just sort of giving in to making this city bloodier and and kind of more damaged than it already was. Um, but my first impression, like my my knee jerk, is that I don't want that chaos system because I love these moments of the game almost being a litmus test of here you are, you are this this powerful person who has these supernatural abilities. Um, you have every, you know, immediate justification to just murder everyone um, because everyone's betraying you. And like what Patrick was saying, three quarters of the way through the game, you're betrayed again. And I think that's sort of the biggest test of, of what you want to do. Do you start slaughtering everyone who, you know, fucked you over for a second time, or do you keep on the path of, of just trying to uh, trying to knock people out of the way, um, and, and I think that stuff is is really intelligent, and it's a great subversion of morality systems of, of saying that you're you're engaging in dirty business of your you know you're trying to restore someone to a throne through some level of violence, um, and it's not lecturing at you. It's just saying no matter how you try to do this, it's it's going to work out poorly for a lot of people this is the game you're playing yeah and i think i think that's great and i think that's very smart yeah very quick question is is the chaos system just key to how many people you kill i don't actually know what's what yeah it is yeah yeah um there are things you can do um that can relieve your chaos like there are several moments throughout the main game like there's any other game the game where uh you can intervene in something like you can rescue a prostitute. You can help, uh, uh, what is it, an overseer's sister who's being accused of being a witch. Uh, you can help her escape from uh, being burnt at the stake, basically. And oh, like, right. give you, like, basically karma points, but generally, yes, the whole system is determined by how many people you kill. Hmm. All right, I just wasn't, I wasn't sure how that worked. Yeah, I mean, it, it pretty much hinges entirely upon that. Mm-hmm. How murdery you are. <laughs> one yeah, one and... thing I, I do I did like just this is a completely uh, tangential point, so I will make it very fast. Is it does it's not afraid to do little things that don't really mean anything. Uh, that party level, there's a guest book on the front table, and you can sign it, and it does nothing except it just feels like such a giant fuck you to sign uh, that guest book as you walk out. They do mention yeah, it again. I love that. They do mention it again at one point, but it's it's really brief. I don't think it happened to me the first time I played it, but when I went through it again for this, uh, it's just like a one-off line. Um, someone says later, you know, did you see that Corvo Otano signed his name in the guest book? And they just say, oh, it was just some asshole. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just someone trying to be funny. Um, but yeah, sorry. Uh, is there any other points that anyone's been thinking about? as we've talked, that they'd like to bring up? Um, no, not really. I feel like that was a good discussion about Dishonored. I feel actually. like we covered a lot I, of ground. We blinked I, think we, I yeah. like that there was like a 20-minute detour about open-world games and hub-worlds, but yeah, we, I feel like we did a good... <laughs> we re-honored Dishonored. That's what... Shut up, Patrick. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> Just stop. Just go. Um, I've got nothing. So Ed, do do we understand your life, your day to day life, a little bit better now? That's my big question. Ha! Is this is this Ed Smith's life that we have played out? 
as he go from rooftop to rooftop and well, that's what they all do you know, in depressing England. His computer runs on whale oil. It's my my day to day life is exactly like Dishonored, but sort of grayer and more depressing. <laughs> wow. Um, that that is like the 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 grayest grayscale. Okay. Yeah, it's it is practically black and white. Um, yeah, but other than that, it is it is pretty much a documentary in view of uh, <laughs> Brexit Britain. Made I was, I was made, just going to go for that. Made four years before the referendum, you know, very very prescient. Um, yeah. Whereas of course, um, Fallout Four is Trump's America. Um, it sure is. So. Oh boy. Jesus. Yeah. Oh god. Um. So I I want to wrap us up on um, something that we've been doing for the past few shows which I, I think is a, a nice way to end our show I don't know if you've heard JV but what we do at the moment is um, if you have any video game recommendations it doesn't have to be something new, it doesn't have to be something that uh, is related to Dishonored, anything that you've been playing recently or that you think more people should play, if you can justify it to them um, uh, we're going to give you, I might start timing these let's say 30 seconds to convince anyone listening why, why they should play. Alright, are we yep. ready? Yeah, I guess. Alright, you should play Mafia 3 because even though it's a super, super, super flawed game, uh, it does fascinating things with uh, systemic racism, uh, it's got a great revenge story to tell, and it's just probably the most interesting game of the year because it exists as this game that's trying to tell this very interesting story and tackle hardcore issues within what is essentially the typical AAA open world design game that's associated with Grand Theft Auto uh, with Watch Dogs and so on and so forth but it's just really neat to see those two things clash together to see trying to tell a great story that is timely within you know the realm of Ferguson Black Lives Matter with what is essentially here's open world bullshit it's just a great clash like anyone who's interested in video games in any capacity should play Mafia Three, regardless of how actually good the game is. I agree. I agree with that. That's an excellent summary. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's that's a that's a, <coughs> that's a game that you can read more about on on uh, bulletpointsmonthly.com, uh, yeah. uh, our associate website. Um, if you if you head over there, we've got articles on Mafia Three, Red Dead Redemption, which we touched on on this show, Deus Ex, Mankind Divided, and another game ba ba uh, Battlefield, Battlefield 1. 1 yeah we're in the midst of Battlefield 1 at the moment yeah Jesus Christ memory um, yeah so that's that's bullet point, bulletpointsmonthly.com you can also give some money to this show if you're feeling charitable um, or if you are a elderly person who is perhaps somewhat <laughs> incapacitated <laughs> and easily convinced to part with their money by all means head to patreon.com forward slash bullet points and give us your Son's inheritance. Uh, <laughs> until a, I like that as a new, as opposed to like, yeah, hey, retweet um, a couple bucks a month if you can. Just be like, just disinherit like, your children with style. Yeah, let's hey, are just, you old and dying? Are you <laughs> are you vulnerable and old? Then then allow us to fleece you for our oh, for God. our poxy video game. Show. I I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> I was not told about this part of this. This is show. officially endorsed by JV Gwaltney. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, good times. Good times. Right. So what, are you, what are you guys playing, Reed and Ed? Oh, I, I was going to say, um, 
I've actually been playing Watch Dogs too this this past couple of nights, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna save my recommendation on that until I've had more time with it. Uh, I've mm. been playing uh, Driver on the PS1, the original Driver, which I think uh, everyone should go back and play. The, the the first Driver game is is really something special. Um, very very dialed back, very um, sort of singularly purposed, and I still don't think that in terms of uh, weighting a sort of physics model and a way that something plays I don't think games have come close any other games have come close to um, making the car handling feel not like realistic simulation car handling because that, that's that's not the point feeling like you're in a, a muscle car in, in the film Bullet you know they, they really spent so much time doing it and it, it shows well mm -hmm. Patrick um, I am currently playing, uh, so I'm playing, not Dungeon of the Endless, Endless Legend, um, which is Amplitude's sort of answer to the Civilization games. Uh, Amplitude previously made Endless Space, Endless Space 2, which I think is out now or will be very soon. Um, Endless Legend is a great, just stylistic and also just really well um, crafted quote, 4X game that you should check out if you have a chance. It's about two years old now. Um, I'm also playing Mini Metro. Mm, which yeah, what's, is... So good. I keep hearing about that. I don't know what that is, though. Yeah. It's such a wonderful, understated, and just well-designed game. Um, I would I would say it's sort of like a puzzle-slash-maybe-strategy game where basically you're given a city and then you have to design its metro system. Huh. Um most of the heavy lifting is done for you, so stops will just appear randomly and passengers will appear randomly, but your job is to determine which lines run where, uh, how many trains go on each line, things like that. Um, and it's it's simultaneously very serene and incredibly challenging, which is a really strange and difficult line to strike, but if you... Uh, I think you could actually pick it up on mobile now for like five bucks. So if okay, you're looking cool. for something to do while you're on the subway, play a game about making a subway. Uh, that sounds... Yeah, it's it's basically colorful entropy in action. Yeah, like, because yeah. Because you will get fucked over eventually. Like, there is no preventing it. Eventually, there's just too many systems in play, mm -hmm. and you're screwed. As evidenced but by the fact open. that there's no win state. Right. Yeah. Wow. But it's great. It's a good time. <clears throat> it's super relaxing, even though that description I just gave does not make it sound like it is i promise it is yeah you guys both made it sound you're saying it's relaxing but you both made it sound like just nightmarish in a way it is both it is it is it successfully is both. both i don't know how but it, it is, is the sexiest nightmare you've ever had <laughs> i thought that was me jv <laughs> well that's between you and reed <laughs> uh i've just been pushing off giving my answer because i've been boring and doing a lot of work and I think aside from playing Dishonored I haven't played much of anything I've been playing a game to write about that uh, I, I don't care for enough to mention I think um, and other than that I don't know I played some Titanfall 2 multiplayer that's pretty fun Yeah, it's so good it's got robots and you can run along walls and yeah but maybe I don't know maybe we should talk about that game at some point yeah I don't mind going to the Titanfall multiverse <laughs> uh, to discuss that one. Yeah, sure. Why not? Why the fuck not? What are we going to do next? We haven't decided on a game for the next show, have we? 
No. We should probably talk about Mafia 3, because uh, JB bringing that yeah, up again gave me... Uh, yeah, I that game is... It, it is a... It is interesting. It is one of the I most interesting games good. of the year. I, I think it's... I would not say it is a good game, but it is interesting. I think it's a great game. I think it's 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 better than interesting. It's... It's... I, it's I interesting. Before I say it. <laughs> Whoa! Thank you. Um, well, well, uh... Yeah, so maybe Mafia 3, or, you know, we, we're coming up to the end of the year, so maybe some sort of end-of-year confab, or we could jump into something, you know, older and classic and sacred and whatever. Um, we'll, we'll decide, won't we? We'll, we'll pick something. We always do. That's true. Yeah, this show's never going to end. <laughs> um... <laughs> Well, it does now because someone's at the door. Yeah. I don't really know who they are, so I'm going to go see who it is. Thank, so, bye, thank you to that person at the door. <laughs> thank you to Jamie Gwaltney for joining us there. Uh, yeah, thanks for, for having me yeah, on. Yeah, our, our pleasure. Have a nice time with whoever's at the door. <laughs> All right, hopefully they won't kill me. Hopefully it's not Corp. All right, bye. bye. <laughs> and on that bombshell... <laughs> Uh, just time to say this is the Bullet Points podcast our episode this week was on Dishonored you can have a look at the rest of our episodes at www. do you need to give the www. I always do that but there's not really any uses nowadays people people kind of get it uh, if you just go to bulletpointspodcast.com that's where the rest of our podcast episodes are there and if you go to bulletpointsmonthly.com that's our written website where we dedicate four weeks in one month to one single game so you get four different essays on the same game by four different writers and if you like all of this stuff or if again you are a easily convinced uh, vulnerable old person who is perhaps hard of hearing then by all means go to patreon.com forward slash bulletpoints and donate some money to keep us running we need your support or just retweet and like our things on twitter that is also very helpful to us as well so until our next episode i'm ed smith you can find me on twitter at most sincerely ed reed i am reed mccarter you can find me at reed mccarter i'm patrick i am patrick Lindsay on twitter at han freaking solo and of course you can follow bullet points on all of its uploads and thoughts and wranglings at bullet points pod also on twitter we should probably change that to something more encompassing now that we've got the written website um but for now that is the twitter handle so until next time uh, thank you again for listening and enjoy dishonored it's a good ruddy bloody game <laughs> uh,